Welcome back to The Storyliner, the show where we turn story listeners into story makers. We're unfolding an ongoing storyline, one chapter at a time, one creator at a time. I'm Daniel Janoff, and this is episode four of the podcast. It's an exciting one for a number of reasons. First, this episode was created with a submission from writer, journalist, and always coolest person in the room, Melissa Locker. Second, this is the last of our pilot episodes. These were the episodes created via a chain of friends and colleagues, not listeners. When this project began, of course, there were no listeners. But these words entering your ears are proof that we've successfully hooked at least one. And third, now that we're through the initial episodes, it's finally your turn to be the creator of an episode. It can't be me or anyone else who's worked on the project so far. It has to be you. The tagline for the storyliner is, Become the new writer on your new favorite show. It's a tagline, but it's also our goal. Okay, favorite... Hopefully, we're still earning that. But the become the new writer part, that's an opportunity that's right in front of you. Right now. You don't need to move to one of the coasts and toil for 10 years as someone's assistant to get your shot. If you love watching shows, reading stories, or, yes, listening to podcasts, we want to give you the opportunity to become part of one. Once we're done with today's episode, I'll jump back on and talk about how you can become a part of the Storyliner. Previously on the Storyliner. She was halfway through when she spied them in the door jam. Two of Glenn's tiny cameras. And you're talking about the stuff that was taken out of your apartment? What was the point of making that video? Glenn, you don't actually want any of that garbage back, do you? It's a specific form of deja vu. You are once more experiencing something you experienced long ago. Speaking of which, did you tell her how we met? It was one of the best nights of my life. Tell me right now where the rest of it is. She saw it was a family tree. Her own. When the video Ava made of Marianne and her household goods hit the web, it had gone viral too quickly. Other people had become intimately familiar with it before she'd even known what it was. But after a 24-hour incubation period, the virus was all too familiar now, a burning sensation that refused to go away. As Marianne reached out to grab the bottle of tequila, she paused, feeling that familiar sensation again. She spun around just in time to see the checkout girl at the liquor store counter quickly whip her phone out of sight. Marianne was certain that a moment ago, the phone had been recording her. Was I just Snapchatted? Marianne asked as she handed the girl the bottle. Yeah, the girl said, grinning too widely, probably to seem less embarrassed than she actually was. My boyfriend loves your meme. Guess I kind of invaded your privacy, though, huh? Marianne grinned charitably at the girl's non-apology and said, The last girl who Snapchatted me stepped on my foot. That's an invasion of privacy. That sucks, the girl said. But on the other hand, you're sort of famous now, so that's something. Is it? Marianne asked. I don't know if it is something. The girl shrugged and said, I saw that thing on Vulture, though. All those companies and whatnot trying to imitate your video, that's huge for you. Yeah, but I didn't make the video. Now Marianne was the one grinning too widely. It was just my face and some of my stuff. Hmm, the girl said, and after a moment's consideration, canceled the order. She slipped the bottle into a bag and handed it to Marianne. No charge. 
Marianne hurried out of the store, but kept the bottle cradled firmly in the crook of her arm like a newborn. She walked to the corner, and after pausing there for a moment, took out her phone and called Glenn. Hey, he answered. Where are you? Stopped in a rut at the intersection of depressed and drunk, she replied. Are you the roadside assistance guy? She squinted around herself in an attempt to determine her surroundings before continuing. I don't actually know where I am, but I did just get a bottle of tequila for free. Of course, I don't have a blender or margarita glasses, any glasses, really, or even any limes. While we're at it, I don't have a couch either. Anyway, that's me. What's new with you? I'm looking at some video, Glenn replied. What of? Hard to describe, Glenn replied. You want to see it? I'm sort of focused on my own video at the moment. Have you checked it out lately? Somebody tweeted that you hit a million views. Ava hit a million, not me. Marianne replied. She turned back around and walked past the liquor store toward the other corner. I got 37 texts, though, granted, mostly from frenemies who've always wanted to piss on my blog but never had a socially acceptable opportunity to do so. That sucks, Glenn said. I'm sorry. I know you are, Marianne replied, once more grinning as widely as she had at the liquor store. I love you, Glenn said. I know you do, Marianne replied then turned around and started walking back toward the other corner. I wonder if there are any homeless guys around. We could share the free bottle of tequila and our possession-free existence. It was a moment before Glenn spoke again. You're not near your office. No, that's the best part, Marianne replied. Tiffany gave me a leave of absence before I left for lunch so that I could deal with all of the distractions. So yeah, that job's over. The other assistants just took me out drinking. And assistants don't pay for drinks unless somebody died. When she returned to the corner she'd walked away from only moments ago, Marianne paused, then glanced at the corner she'd just come from and said, Fuck. What? Glenn replied. I'm trying to decide what to do now, and I'm doing a shitty job. All around her, sober professionals were popping out of their late lunches, shirts still crisp, and hair still made. It's just really painfully awkward feeling this drunk, she continued, In the middle of a Wednesday, anyway. Why don't you just come home, Glenn said. I think, Marianne said distractedly as she squinted at the impossibly bright sunlight being kicked off of every car that zoomed by. I think I need to sleep in an actual bed tonight. I was leaning toward the Fairmont. Aren't rooms at the Fairmont like $500? Yeah, Marianne replied as she unconsciously opened the bottle of tequila. But collapsing into a perfectly made bed... In a perfectly anonymous, upholstered room? That would be heaven, with a lock on the door. You sure you'd rather sleep there? No, I'm not sure, Marianne shouted, and took a slug of the tequila. Shouldn't you be, though? You're supposed to be my goddamn husband. We're like newlyweds, and I just said I'm not coming home tonight. Shouldn't that bother you? It does. Then act like it. What if I never came home? If this is about Ava, I'd rather not talk about it on the phone. Why the fuck not, Marianne replied. Honestly, either you screwed her in college or a year ago or whatever. I don't care anymore. God only knows how many guys I fucked a year ago. I just don't want to hear her name for a day. One day. I'm really not trying to avoid this conversation, Glenn said, but there's some video I think you should see. Marianne hung up and started walking without bothering to look where she was going which brought her immediately into the street, into oncoming traffic. 
She heard the screech of tires before she turned toward the car. It was trying to stop, but it was too close to be able to stop in time. The impact threw her to the ground, but when she opened her eyes a moment later, she saw it wasn't the car that had hit her. It was Glenn, who'd somehow figured out where she was, raced to the intersection, and thrown them both to the curb in just enough time to evade the car. You smell like a free bottle of tequila, he said. It was true. Her free bottle of tequila was smashed to the ground next to her and seeping into their clothes. As they eased themselves onto the curb, the motorist, who'd almost hit them, glanced from the shattered bottle to the disheveled pair and started rolling away with a shake of the head. A moment later, though, he threw on the brakes, looking to have finally recognized Marianne. He snapped a photo with his phone, took a moment to post, and then drove away without another glance in their direction. When the motorist was gone, Glenn held up his phone to show Marianne the two blue dots in the middle of a map, signifying their shared position. Remember when we were stuck at the airport and I put our phones into stalk me mode in case we got separated? Looks like it worked, Marianne replied. She looked back down at her knees, freshly bloodied from the fall, and said, It was insurance fraud. The whole thing. I agreed to let a guy rob our apartment while we were on vacation. Was he about five feet nine inches, Glenn asked. Shaved head, big glasses. Marianne lifted her head up and looked at him in silence for a moment before saying, How the fuck did you know that? Just found out, actually, Glenn said, sticking the phone into his pocket and getting up. Glenn reached his hand out to help her up and said, I really think you should see this video. Ava sat on the bed and studied the family tree. She followed the branches of various ancestors down the paper, letting her hands trail along each life lived and pruned away, until she finally arrived at her own branch. She covered it with her hand for a moment before finally removing it. As the hand came away, she unconsciously wiped it on her pants, as if the memory was sticky and contagious, yet somehow preventable if she could just wipe it away. With the paper still in her hand, she stood up and carefully scanned the apartment, retracing her steps from the kitchen and back to the living room, where she turned a full 360 on her heel to see if she'd moved anything out of place. Ava picked up her purse from where she had tossed it on the bed and dug through it until she found the burner phone labeled Assistance. She flipped it open and dialed the first number on speed dial. When a male voice answered, she said, Did you book the downtown one bedroom? I did. Usual price, the voice replied. Everything okay? No. The apartment needs to be cleaned, she said into the phone. Cool, I'll get somebody there in an hour. Ava still couldn't place the voice and so asked, Have we had sex? Nope, the assistant replied. I'm really letting myself go, Ava said. How's that? Nothing, she replied. I'm talking to myself and you happen to be on the phone. She looked around the apartment once more, then asked, Who's renting this? Let me see, the assistant said. Kira and Stephen Wong. She's a designer, he's a trainer. That's bullshit, Ava replied. The place is too messy for anyone to be renting. Their rating would go down the toilet. It's a fake listing. I don't think so, the assistant replied. Because I picked up the keys myself, actually, and left them there for you under the plant. The guy was in the apartment when I got them. Yes, but was it Stephen, whatever his name was? 
No, he said he was his friend. Ava looked back down at the paper at her own name and then to the name immediately to the right of hers, Glenn Esposito. She traced two fingers over the two lines and then followed them down to a single unmarked line beneath them. Did you get his name? No. What do you look like? I don't know, the assistant replied. Young guy, medium height, I guess, shaved head, and he had these really thick glasses on. After a moment, the assistant asked, You really think it's a fake listing? This was my apartment in college, Ava replied, and somehow, years after I left it, it looks exactly the way it was when I left it. That's random, the assistant replied. No, actually, it's the opposite of random, Ava said as she continued to stare down at the family tree. Then realizing something, she immediately looked up at the ceiling, and there it was. A camera so small, it could have been a nail head. That's the guy, Marianne replied with a shake of the head. The guy I let break into our apartment. She leaned back onto the floor and said, I wish I hadn't dropped that tequila. Marianne was finally watching the video Glenn had wanted her to see. Footage from one of his cameras set up to watch a city corner. On that corner, looking down at his phone intently, stood the man who had robbed their apartment. Glenn cycled through a number of screenshots from other cameras. The man was in every one, in each image, looking directly at the camera. He's visited almost every camera I've still got active, Glenn replied. How did he get you to agree to the break-in? Honestly, I've been pitched stupider ideas, Marianne replied. You have no idea how many shitty ad agencies and content sites reach out to you because they want you to do a partnership. Basically steal your ideas, but this guy actually had, like, actual vision. How so? He was just fucking omniscient, Marianne replied. He knew my site traffic. He knew it was down. He knew which sites might pick up a story about my stuff getting stolen and why. He even knew which shit to steal so it would page rank higher in search. And even if we got zero pickup, he'd still get the stuff, and I'd still get the insurance money. Do you need money? Of course I need money, Marianne said, sitting up. I'm a fucking assistant. My phone's on a pay-as-you-go plan. Obviously, sitting here, now in our empty apartment, yeah, it was a stupid idea. Like, impossibly stupid idea. But he didn't say he was going to take everything. And I didn't think our dopey, cool insurance broker from Bumbletown was going to accuse me of fraud. Because technically, I wasn't even in on it. He broke in on his own. But the police said there were no signs of a break-in. How is that my fault? Marianne said. I mean, technically, yes, it's completely my fault. But I mean, who in real life could actually do that? No sign of entry? She glanced back to the video where the man was still looking at whatever was on his phone. I'm assuming you never got his name, Glenn said. He said the less I knew about him, the less likely I'd be to let something slip. And why are you asking me? You're the one taping him. I'm not. You just happen to have footage of him on every camera you've got up? The guy who gave me my suitcases back described this guy as the one who dropped them with the delivery. Since I've got cameras up all over town, I figured maybe one would have a hit. But they all do. He hit every one. Fine. So we just wait around on one of your corners until he comes back, and we've got him. 
This footage isn't recorded, Glenn replied, pointing at the window on his laptop. It's live. Live? Marianne stood up excitedly. Where? About 15 blocks away. Then let's go. Glenn shook his head and said, The moment we leave this apartment, he'll be gone. Why? Because he'll know we left. How would he know that? Have you noticed, Glenn said, pointing at the video, he's been staring at his phone this whole time, but his thumb hasn't moved. He's not scrolling, so he's watching something. So he's binging his favorite show. Glenn shook his head and said, not on a street corner with no headphones. Do me a favor, raise your right hand slowly. Fine, Marianne said impatiently as she raised her arm into the air. Now, slowly, Glenn said, Swing your arm side to side, like you're waving. Marianne waved, and a moment later on Glenn's laptop screen, so did the man on the corner. So that's our episode for today, created with a submission from Melissa Locker, who I'll be interviewing in our next installment. Melissa helped make episode four happen, but what comes next is up to you. If you've been enjoying the story, you could submit for episode five starting today. Just visit the submit page of thestoryliner.com for more info. In a prior episode, I shared some tips for arriving at the first sentences of your idea. Now that we're down to doing some real typing, I wanted to share some quick thoughts on writerly time management. And similar to last time, I'm directing these thoughts at new writers. If you're more experienced, you can take this moment to reflect on just how far you've come. So, time management. It's the writer's secret sauce, in my opinion. Who's got that kind of time? Actually, you. When I first began writing, I felt similarly time crunched. Until I tried experimenting with how I was using my time. I took my laptop out on lunch breaks and found that with my workplace mindset locked in, that hour could be amazingly productive. Even when I only had 30 minutes, I found that I was done eating in about 10. You'd be amazed at what you can write with just 20 alert minutes. If you're not driving, commute time is great too. And if you're too cramped for a laptop, pull out your phone and write an email to yourself with a bit of your story. Consider how much social typing and texting you do throughout your day. Switch that phone into airplane mode, put your two speedy thumbs to work, and steal back 20 minutes for yourself. If you can wake up just 30 minutes earlier, keep the laptop by the bed and get cracking the moment you sit up. Groggy is good. It means you're still half dreaming. And I can't think of a better mindset for creating something great. Okay. Lecture over, you get the picture. Our inbox is open, and we're ready for your submission. We'll keep it open for just over a week, so please get started today if you can. Check out our guidelines for submission at thestoryliner.com. Also on the site, you'll notice we created a story page, so you can see all the current characters and story moments to date. We hope it's all helpful to you, because this is your story now. Keep listening, keep typing, and we look forward to your submission. Today's episode was read by Michelle Monoforti. Our music and sound design was composed by Stefan Boblil. Logo and site were designed by The Apartment. If you haven't figured it out already, we really do want you to visit thestoryliner.com, where you can leave feedback, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, stream episodes, and submit a few pages for our next episode. This episode was brought to you by Squarespace. Look like an expert right from the start by making your website with Squarespace. Its award-winning templates are the most beautiful way to present your ideas online. Stand out with a professional website, portfolio, or online store. Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website.